fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Hey everybody and welcome to the week 11 fantasy preview show. It's the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal, paving your way to fantasy excellence, fantasy glory, feeding and breeding fantasy wolves all at the same time, often in the same episode. I, of course, am your host, Nat the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the wolf of Roto Street himself, gearing up for a week 11 that is maybe meaningless for his personal fantasy teams. Is that right? Are you? Did you get the bounce? Not quite. I did come off the by far worst beats of my life. And now it has me on that horrible territory where you have to win out. You need help from other people who you never want fucking help from in your right. life. because They're fucking asshole league mates that sure. you never want to say you helped me out. Uh, I'm in that type of shitty ass situation right now because I think I told you this one, but any Wolfpack members have not heard this one. Buckle up fucking 0.44. In two leagues, the exact same number, 0.44, just like, haha, couldn't get you an extra reception because it's a half point PPR league in both of them. I still don't understand how 0.44 was the exact same number. One of the leagues, Nick Chubb fell down at the fucking, went went out of bounds at the one yard line, being a smart football player, but still, fuck you. Like, that was an asshole move. You might have ruined my fantasy season, you fucking dick. Uh, And then the, the second one being. The opponent not only had Kyler Murray, but also DeAndre Hopkins. So, oh God, 25, 30 point swing, like that one crazy play, which I loved at first. Like, oh my God, this is the best. Like, oh my God, like, oh, celebrating. It's the end of me. It's the end of my, my fucking hopes and dreams. And ultimately, all of the games came down to like Monday night football, final quarter, like six minutes left to like Thielen caught a touchdown to end me in one, his second yep. touchdown of the game. And then Dalvin Cook ran off some like 10 yard run. And it ended the, the score. So it wasn't even just like I was done on Sunday. I could have a little time for the depression to set in and like compose myself somewhat. It was just like last fucking quarter of the football week. Just get my ass slapped completely um, buried inside me, whatever metaphor you want to use. So that was a horrible feeling. And it's left me in the desperation mode. Now I'm not done. And I, I like my schedule. I'm facing a couple cream puffs. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a cream puff at this point in that league right. anyways. But I'm facing a lot of the people I'm in that like four and six, like five and five mud with. So controlling the destiny. That's enough of my fantasy teams. I think you had a tough loss too, right? Uh, we, my team is just on the skids big time. Uh, you know, oh. and, and basically, you know, aside, you could say I lost my game in a lot of, for a lot of different reasons. You know, I have a bunch of just terrible performances from players that are usually pretty good. But ultimately, just to make sure I got the ultra, super hardcore roundhouse kick to the nuts, what ultimately broke me was a pass from a wide receiver I was facing in the swirling monsoon wind and rain in Foxborough. Jacoby Myers completing an improbable 25-yard or so touchdown pass against the supposedly great Ravens defense. Um, and that was the end of me. So, Ugh. oh, and also, also, uh, Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill and Tennessee first and goal from the one does like a side handoff to Johnu Smith. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> and any, any of those things don't happen. I win. But anyway, Ugh. that's fantasy. Um, you ready to get into the trainer's room? We got to get into this shit. But yeah, Wolfpack, uh, send us your good vibes. We clearly need them. We need the W this week. So we will appreciate that. And in that note, that thumbs up, baby. Gets us followed, uh, gets more people seeing our stuff. We've crossed the 1K threshold officially on YouTube. Fucking stoked about it. So keep it coming. Send it out to anybody you know that you're not facing against. Help us grow. Give us that thumbs up, that heart button if you're on Periscope. Uh, all that good stuff, Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope. You guys are all awesome. If you're catching the replay, uh, this is we're, we're typically live right around 7.30. It's tricky. We we have other jobs. We have basketball coach. We have all this stuff. So we try to keep a tight schedule. Obviously, it would be better if we could. Uh, but sometimes it just life happens when we're doing this uh, in our, you know, the most we can in our, our second job, essentially, at this point. So we appreciate your understanding. We'll try to follow that schedule. We love you guys, especially I already see, you know, Mitch, Craig, all the, the all the regulars, Kyle Toons, you know, everybody already that we know and love. 
here with us. Uh, we, we've got a great growing pack, and you guys are the fucking best. Uh, so let's get into it, Wolfpack. Let's fucking dominate and start with a little bit of... Uh, who is the who is the avatar for that? Who is that? Was that I think Jordan it was Reed? Dwayne Haskins. I'm not positive. <laughs> Probably Jordan Reed. Yeah, it, it should have been Jordan Reed. Seriously, right. like good lord. All right. So first up, we got Chris Carson. He's the bane of my existence. He's one of my starting running backs, and I use the word starting loosely because he doesn't really play football anymore. Anyway, he's been dealing with this foot injury that at first seemed kind of minor, but then it kept him out a week and then another week. And now it seems like he's probably not going to play this week, which, of course, opens the door. As so many doors have been opened in the past before for one Carlos Hyde. Talk me through this, Wolf. Sell me on. Yeah, let's go all in on Carlos Hyde. Yeah, it is so strange, but as you mentioned with Chris Carson, like just four weeks ago, it seems, he was a game-time decision coming down to the the minute. And it's not a guarantee he's out quite yet. Pete Carroll said they're going to take it to game time. And, and we've seen Carson just miraculously play in the past. I just don't – it's hard to fathom what the fuck's going on with this entire situation. But Carlos Hyde, let's, let's play the hypothetical Carson sets, the most likely hypothetical – I think he's stepping right into a top 20, maybe even top 15 role here. The Seahawks have scored a rushing touchdown every single week outside of one against Dallas, of all people, by the way, which is just, that's when it was just a a complete points bonanza shootout. Nobody was getting any work on the ground. Uh, So, but again, every single week, whether it's DJ Dallas, mostly Carlos Hyde, obviously racking up those scores. I mean, uh, Chris Carson, Uh, but the last time that Chris Carson got knocked out, which was against none other than the Arizona Cardinals, who they're facing tomorrow night. Carlos Hyde rumbled 17 fantasy points, saw 18 touches, three of them receptions, uh, racked up, you know, 78-ish yards and the score. So nothing like crazy, but just that steady, like 60 to 80 yards, touchdown, a handful of catches. And with Travis Homer now banged up too, doubtful for the game, Carlos Hyde might be their best running back on the roster, which is just a terrifying thought. Uh, in terms of pass catching. So ultimately he'll be in line for the receiver. Potentially all the rushing work. We've seen a, a gross kind of committee, nobody getting more than 12 carries in the last three weeks, but they also are relying on DJ Dallas and, and Alex Collins and Travis Homer. So why would you feed him? I think this is why they signed Carlos Hyde. They've talked about him being a, a really big part of, of what they do all season. And this is going to be a chance to show it. So I only 21% owned as of this recording, if you need a running back plug-in, and who doesn't need a fucking running back plug-in at this point? Like, I'm, I'm going to be putting him in over Duke Johnson, for example. Let us know if you have any sit-starts out there about, you know, Carlos Hyde heading into Thursday night football. It? Don't you hate it when you get to the point in the season when you're having to decide between Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson? Just sickening. Just absolutely sickening. How do we get here? You know, like, what's that I mean, Paul Rudd yeah. meme where they're like, I didn't, who would have thought we'd be here? Well, not me. You know, like, it's no. fucking mind-boggling that this is what it's so, come to. But, I mean, I'll, I'll just end this quick segment, not with a particularly hot take, but I'll just say, of course, I'm skeptical of Carlos Hyde. I'm of course skeptical of Chris Carson playing. It's been, it's just been a miserable, miserable Seattle running backs experience for me. I'm sure others are in the same boat. Carlos Hyde, if he plays, it's hard to disagree with the wolf that he might have top 20 potential. And it's, it's about not necessarily him, the offense, like this offense again, DJ Dallas was the running back too just a couple of weeks ago, DJ fucking Dallas, whoever the fuck that loser is like, it's the offense that is so explosive in a game that's going to put up points He's going to fall his fat ass into the end zone at some point, and you're going to be happy with the 15 to 20 points Carlos Hyde ultimately leads you to. All right, moving on. Uh, Next up, we got a Tyler Lockett Lockett sighting. Uh, We're going to stick with the Seahawks for a little while. He, and this is in quotes, will play, (laughs) according to Pete Carroll. David Moore is a solid backup plan, of course. He's obviously a downgrade from Lockett. Oh, for sure. I mean, Lockett the last time out against the Cardinals, if anybody forgot on that Sunday night football game, what was it, 250 and like three touchdowns? I think it was 205. Yeah, it, like, it like 50 PPR fantasy points. Ridiculous. 50 PPR points. So many people going to bed thinking they're done and waking up with the joy of 50 points. Like that, That's the upside of Tyler Lockett. So the fact that he's in, it's, it's really hard to bench him. Now, you can't imagine he comes even close to 50 again. If you get 20, that's no. going to be incredible because the, the coaches obviously do – the see the, the Cardinals coach is gonna be like, how the fuck could we ever let this happen again? You know how they they will single that out on points, and now he's banged up too. So 
there's no way he does this, but you do imagine they'll keep Patrick Peterson on DK Metcalf, who he limited to a pretty close to nothing game last time. I think that flips. I think DK Metcalf, you know, really wants to stick it and, and prove like this was not Patrick Peterson. This was just me not getting the ball. And I imagine DK comes and balls out like he always does. And, and at the expense of a banged up locket, the only thing I would, there's not much advice other than you're playing both Seahawks receivers. And if you you stash David Moore just as like an emergency, Carroll's been known to lie in the past, uh, mostly because he's blowing his par- you know, his his players too hard, and just they, they end up being just nobodies. But still, David Moore could be your your fallback option, the good deep threat action against this Cardinals team. With again, I'm I'm stoked. We get a Thursday night game with like uh, looks like it's going to be a sixty plus point bonanza. Finally, some great action for Thursday night. I, I'm looking forward to it. Tyler Lockett. Should should be part of your plans if you own them for sure. No doubt. I agree. And I'll be there for the game as well. Yep. All right, moving on. Who's our next guy in the trainer's room? We are going to discuss none other than Wolf Staple. I think he's going to say Joe Mixon, although he's not putting him up on the board. Joe Mixon was held out of Wednesday's practice ahead of week 11's game against Washington. I mean, I guess we care. I mean, if you got Mixon, you know, he's, he's a viable starting running back. He certainly has not. Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm not high on the guy. And, I mean, I feel like he's been underachieving and stuff like that. Um, and, of course, even though I hate on Giovanni Bernard all the time, he actually has been fairly effective when he's played. So what do you know about Mixon? What are your thoughts about how cautious or otherwise people should be moving forward this week? I mean, the dude hasn't played since week six, hasn't practiced since week six. And it seems like he's just not going to show up again. Yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous at this point. Uh, so you obviously have to be planning for life without him. And ideally that means just Gio Bernard, who is legitimately better than Mixon at this point, when he starts 21 fantasy points and 23 fantasy points before the bye, the running back seven and three and his first two spot starts kind of underwhelmed against Pittsburgh. I mean, kind of, he, he only had nine points was the running back 28, but still not like killing you by any means. And that was the worst possible matchup. I think that Pittsburgh second lowest or lowest at this point in terms of points allowed to running backs and Washington's got a good D line. But once you get to that second level, they're, they're pretty vulnerable. And that's what Gio Bernard, that's how you use him is in this receiving game, get him to the second level. I, I think he could be fantasy point days and people are starting to get off worn away on things on, on, you know, the daily fantasy sites like DraftKings and whatnot. So I imagine he might go a little under owned here uh, and give you right back to that 21, 23 ish fantasy point range, right up there in my top 14 running backs. And as it gets likelier and likelier mixes, misses this, he's going to shoot up even higher, probably into my top 12. All right. I agree. There's no reason really to think that this guy's going to play. Exactly. All right. Moving on. Moving on, we got another fairly big name, Calvin Ridley, uh, due to his foot issue. He was limited in practice on Wednesday, but, I mean, at least he was practicing. This is ahead of Week 11's game against the Saints. The Saints, who are going to be run by Jameis Winston, who we'll be discussing later as well. What do you think? Ridley, obviously a wide receiver one. If he's playing, that's a big if. Yeah, big if if he's playing, but if he's playing, there's no if about it. He is a dominant wide receiver one. Uh, and if he's out there, you got to imagine he's pretty close to 100 because the Falcons don't have much left, if anything, to play for other than pride. And, and there's really none of that left here anyways for the Atlanta Falcons. So I think Calvin Ridley, if he's out there, you feel great. You put him in there. It's really just at this point seems to be if he has a setback is the only real risk here. If they're getting him out there, he's getting his feet under him. Obviously, foot injuries are very caught, you know, skeptical about them all the time. We're seeing what happened with Mixon. We haven't seen him since week six. So this Carson too. Carson's got a foot issue. Carson's got a foot issue. Chris Carson's got a foot issue. Exactly. Yeah. So it's foot is terrifying. Um, Absolutely terrifying to see next to your player's name. But the fact that he's already practicing on a limited basis is a pretty good sign. This is not as severe as Mixon. Not as severe as Carson. My guess is he's going to be out there. Obviously, your backup plan could be something like Olamati Zacchaeus, who had 100 yards last time out with Calvin Ridley. There's certainly other options. Jalen Reger. I mean, I have my wide receiver, Hail Marys, later. We'll talk about those guys and discuss them. But just the immediate fill-in, it, it doesn't seem like it's Russell Gage anymore. It seems closer to be Olamati Zacchaeus. So you could add him as a potential backup plan if you really need one. But expect Ridley to be out there, and, and he's right back in your top seven wide receivers if he is. 
All right. Speaking of wide receivers, let's talk about Kenny Galladay. He has been out for a couple weeks. He went down with a hip injury. He has returned to practice uh, as of Wednesday. Uh, I remember before he got hurt and, you know, and then after he got hurt, I made the joke that how would you be able to tell if he was going to play or not? Because I believe the game before he got hurt, he had zero catches for zero yards. Yes. And he did get hurt, I think, at like halftime for that game. So that was probably part of the uh, the donut, the the goose egg. But still, still pretty shitty. Still shitty as fuck for a dominant wide receiver, baby Tron, as they call him. Uh, but but truly, he is a monster when he is out there. Big body. I know that last game wouldn't suggest it, but great catch radius. Good speed for the size. I mean, he does everything your number one wants to wants to do. He's been out now since you know week eight. You got to imagine he's he's close to a hundred percent at this point with them. Um, you know, think so. Who knows? You're right. And Matthew Stafford's going to have his thumb thing. He's going to play through it. Uh, he's not going to need surgery or anything like that. So Stafford has been on fire lately. Uh, at two out of his last three, at least, he's been a top ten quarterback uh, with over twenty fantasy points. So he's been doing that without Galladay. you got to get pretty excited about what Stafford could do with Galladay back, what Galladay should be able to do as their number one. We just saw Marvin Jones go completely berserk. Uh, It's not the best of matchups against Carolina. They've been bottom seven against wide receivers in terms of points allowed. But we also just saw them get completely spanked by the Bucs. Granted, a lot better, a lot more talent than what we see with the Lions. But if Stafford keeps doing what he's doing, uh, there's very real possibility that Galladay can be right back in there for 75 to 100 TD. Uh, if you own him, he's probably in your lineup. He's uh, right on that fringe of like the top 30 and 25 or so, like in between 30 and 25 is where I have him sliding in right now. I don't own him, and I'm glad to not own him. Yeah. All right. Christian McCaffrey has been ruled out. And here's another shock. We're not getting a bunch of like, you know, hot takes here. No. Christian McCaffrey, due to a shoulder injury, been ruled out for week 11 against the Lions, who we just mentioned. I guess he figured, you know, I played a couple games to start the year. Then I took like eight off or six off or whatever. Then I played a game, gave the people what they wanted. And now I'm just not going to play football anymore. <laughs> Pretty much. He just wanted to tickle your balls, show you exactly yeah, what did. Your balls got tickled. Oh, they they got completely blown on. Maybe fall on the massage. He was, you know, milking the sack or whatever. Exactly, you know? just getting them all nice and swollen, just to to leave them that way is is what it was. I, I was fortunate enough to ship him away and not have to deal with this headache. And, and again, fortunate enough to get rid of the best player in fantasy when he's on the field. Like I obviously, I'm somewhat joking here. He's but not still, on the field. It was a great deal by you. You made a great deal. Now, granted, the guy you got stepped out of bounds at the one-yard line and cost me up the ass. Yes, exactly. Thank you uh, for for that acquisition. After, though, a big day, too. I mean, it's tough to hate on him, but still. Would have won. Would have picked my season. Uh, Nonetheless, Mike Davis is going to be right back in, uh, given everybody's owners are are all blue and and hurting right now. Um, Ultimately, Hopefully you own Davis. I didn't. And a lot of Christian McCaffrey owners, it seems like don't, because I get a ton of questions around it. Um, And Davis hasn't been that like locked in monster. I mean, when he first started 16, 23, 22, 30, it was like, this guy is a RB six or something. It was unbelievable. I think actually, if you aggregated all his numbers over that, that span I just gave you, he was the running back two in fantasy behind only Alvin Kamara. It was insane. Um, and since then, 12, 9, 9, 9, 8. And this is PPR, too, where he was you know, becoming a monster. He's also, though, had a, a tough stretch of schedule. And now he gets Detroit, literally the easiest, the number one in terms of points allowed. That could be the you know get-right matchup. He obviously has his own little thumb thing going on, but he looks like he's ready to go. It seems like Teddy Bridge is going to be back this week. They're still calling him day-to-day. But assuming all your moving pieces are there, He has to be a top 10 running back in rankings, given how cake this matchup is. Um, And Christian McCaffrey, the one thing with that as well is their buy is in week 13. So after this, you're in week 12. Like, why rush him? And then if you get to the point where they're out of it after the buy, does he even come back? That's terrifying. That's a terrible thought that I hope doesn't cause everybody that owns Christian McCaffrey sleepless nights now. It should. Um, I'm just going to tell you, they'd be insane to bring him back. If they are elim- if they are mathematically eliminated and they put this guy back out on the field, they, I mean, people should lose their jobs. I, I know fantasy owners may, you know, rig me over the coals for this, but they, you can't do that. No. 
It's not a smart play. So a- absolutely. There's a very real risk at this point. Like we may have seen the last of McCaffrey, a nice 32 pointer to, to make sure you remember what you had uh, that you really didn't get all year. But damn, like it, there's a chance that we don't see him again, which is just crazy. Yep. All right. Well, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport has reported, and this is a direct quote. There's no change <laughs> after Tuesday's second opinion. I believe uh, the thing that there is no change from is that he's got like five broken ribs and a collapsed lung. Is that right? <laughs> Horrible. So he still has five broken ribs. It's like, no, no, no. He, we weren't, we weren't wrong. There are, what if they came back and they're like, no, only two of his ribs broken and his lung's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no change in the diagnosis. Still five broken ribs and a collapsed lung. It's enough it, to slow anybody down, especially when you're like 62 years old. It, it, it's, it sounds so painful, but imagine. doesn't it really sound awful? Oh, and also I saw on the ticker they uh, on right after it happened, they were like, uh, Breeze has been advised to be extremely cautious with the lung. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the lung. Like, right. I mean, like, like that's a concern. They like, yeah. really like, yeah, your lung's collapsed, dude. That's like, not, <laughs> dude, not great. <laughs> not it's, great. You should, like the you should be thing. cautious about that. A good idea. Yeah. Be, be cautious about your collapsed lung. Uh, thank right. you Don't, for that. Yeah, right. So anyway, there's no change. That, of course, means Jameis Winston is getting the start because you don't start football games with five broken ribs and a collapsed no. lung. Jameis Winston, who I picked up off waivers for nothing. Exactly. We're going to go into Jameis Winston a little bit later. And if you're watching just a clip of this, uh, find the Jameis Winston clip because we will be talking about him and and why I'm absolutely beyond horny for him this week, Uh, which is always a terrifying. That's another one that can lead you straight to hell to get horny over. But I'm ready to go all in and have my heart broken or my my just day made completely. I'm, I'm just warning you that later in the episode, when we talk about Jameis Winston, I will be asking you what kind of a woman Jameis Winston would be in the bar if you're trying to pick oh, yeah. right. I'll start, I'll I'm, start I'm, you up, I'm giving you a little bit of think time moving in. Man, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, but yeah, Drew, Drew Brees, the one thing with this is somehow he's not on the IR, so he could be back within two to three games if they're not putting him on the IR. So I guess the no change is like, yes, it's like shit, you still have a class long and five broken ribs, but it's also like, this isn't anything worse than what we were projecting. So we're not putting you on the IR. So you might have breeze back. If you're holding on to him, eh, it's, I'm guessing it's at least a three week injury. Like, and that's two games against Atlanta. That's two of the best reasons to hold drew breeze is for those games against Atlanta. It seems like that's going to be Jameis Winston time. And we'll talk about why that's so sexy in a little bit. So you're saying there's a chance. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Moving on to another quarterback named drew. Who's got ribs problems. Drew Locke, and this is another direct quote. He's going to try and play this week. All right. Well, Woo. break out the party poppers and the confetti, everybody. Drew Locke, <laughs> that's Drew Locke of the Denver Broncos, is going to try and play this week. So everybody can just take it a little bit easy. You know, your drinks are going to taste a little bit better. Food is just going to smell better and, and go down your throat easier. Things are just starting to perk up a little bit because Drew Locke is going to try and play. <laughs> exactly. You can rest no assured one. tomorrow on the Rotor Street Journal website, there will be a banner in larger than average font saying Drew Locke of the Denver Broncos is going to try and play. And then, <laughs> it's not even going to be an article. We're just going to sit back and watch the clicks come in. Exactly. Great. The ultimate generator of clicks to kids in tonight to bed without reminding them that Drew Locke is going to try and play. He's this. going to try and play this week. <laughs> Good night, little Serena. By the way, Drew, Drew Locke's going to try to play. <laughs> and then she'll just have the sweetest of dreams of all time. It's, it's huge. Oh. News. It's crucial. As big as any idea. Know. So we're talking about this like it's a positive thing. Can you imagine what Drew Locke going to try and play could potentially look like? <laughs> it's going to be horrible. It's going to you be, know that, you know, that uh, scene in Fargo where they stuff the guy in the wood chipper. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking. Oh yeah. He's had two useful games all year and they were both against bottom five defenses. Other than that, we've got 13, negative one, five, 15 and 11. You're not playing drew lock at this point. I know a lot of people went in for him last week against the Raiders, a seemingly great looking matchup. Didn't get it done. There, there's no reason to be excited about this. There's no reason that it really matters other than stream up and fire up Miami's defense, who he's going against this week, who's already been on a tear. Yeah, that they're going to they're going to destroy that awful Broncos line. And Drew Locke going to try and play is going to be getting hit 
relentlessly. Uh, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be an ugly bloodbath. Uh, hopefully, is, and Miami was out there in like, I want to say 40% of leagues earlier. They, they got to be one of the top five defensive plays this week. Um, so yeah, Drew Locke is going to try to play, and it only really means something for your defensive streamers. That's about it. All right, moving on. And this is a guy, we might chop this one up because people might actually be interested in this one. Alan Lazard, who's been gone for a long time with this core injury, which you don't see the core injury too often, but come to find out it's kind of a big deal. He was actually doing pretty well before he got put on IR. He was a legit threat for Rodgers, you know, who I think Adams might have been on the shelf at that point. And Lazard was filling in pretty admirably. Either that or he was playing an admirable two to Adams' one. But anyway, he's back. He's going to be eased back into the lineup. Do we believe it? Do we believe that he's going to be back? Do we believe that when he's back, they're going to ease him back in? And, I mean, you think this guy's got a pretty high upside potentially, right? He's got a huge upside. Absolutely. I mean, 18, 8, and 26 fantasy points in his three starts. Wide receiver 16, 68, and 6. That's two top two wide receiver weeks in there. Wide receiver two weeks. That's fantastic. And he was the only real reliable, consistent threat outside of Devontae Adams that this team has had. I mean, Valdez Scantling, we saw him go deep and have a huge play last week. Yay. We've also seen him drop a million balls. We've seen a thousand death stares from Aaron Rodgers, ready to just literally slit his throat on the actual field. I think Lazard's going to step right back in. And yeah, they say they're going to ease him in, but they don't really have the options to ease no, him in. No, they don't. They, they don't. don't. And against Indy, I mean, that's a, a decent Indianapolis team. I can't imagine this game is gets out of hand where you can only give him a smattering of snaps. Now, maybe, just maybe, they do put him on a pitch count. And their training staff is extremely cautious so it would be tough for me to say get him right back in your lineups and let's see what he does but i certainly i mean he was as of yesterday out there in 42 percent of leagues he should be 75 to 100 percent owned at this point because the upside this guy has the way that rogers is playing and the schedule down the stretch isn't so you know bad at all chicago tough matchup but then philly detroit carolina tennessee a lot of those games sound like shootouts a lot of them are against bottom 10 teams uh, Lazard could go on a very, very solid stretch run here. Again, for this week, if I can wait and see, I will. But he's still also in my top 50 receivers, right around like 44, 42 range. So there, there is definitely a scenario where if you got to play him, there's there's plenty of upside, a great end zone score, a great deep speed. I mean, he he is a complete package, whereas Marquez Valdez-Scanling can do one thing, stretch the field. He serves his role decent in that sense. Lazard is a, a complete package, and he's ready to go. I, I'm excited to see this guy get back on the field. And I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but, I mean, playing opposite Devontae Adams, you know, there there could not be a better situation for a guy like him coming back. You cannot sag off Adams ever. I mean, nope. he's routinely beating double teams for touchdowns. So it's not like they're going to be like, oh, let's shift a guy over onto Lazard and help him out. Lazard's going to have a lot of one-on-one. And, you know, if he can make those plays, he's going to score some fantasy points. That's for sure. Absolutely. And think about what it does for Rodgers, too. Like, yeah. who's who's already been top three almost every single week. Now he gets a, an even better weapons injection. Love it all. Love yeah. every single bit of it. All right. That's going to do it for the trainer's room. We're going to get into our weekly higher lower hail mary section uh if we do end up doing clips of this which i think we're going to we're going to break it down by position so i'm going to higher lower hail mary quarterback and then so on so we're going to get right into it uh first let's talk about a little bit of accountability before we do that wolf because you were entering the week uh 32 26 and 2 um how'd you do last week who'd you whiff on who'd you do a good job with yeah, so well, last week remember was our uh, our old big strength oh, right, of schedule right, stream right. Uh, for for the the trade deadline. Yeah. Okay, so, well, so how about uh, week nine? Let's, no let's real... talk week nine accountability. Nothing. Exactly. Uh, right. So I actually did pretty solid last week. Um, ultimately ended at seven, three and two. So one of my better weeks, oh, wow. uh, I've always been in the green. I've always been more right calls and wrong calls. This was certainly one of the better ones. Quarterback went two and one. I went breeze for the hire. He, he hit quarterback 13, exactly where I ranked him. Matty ice uh, was my lower. That was a loss. He ended up finishing quarterback 12. Despite Calvin Ridley missing that game in week nine, Drew Locke was my Hail Mary. The Drew Locke aforementioned, this was two weeks ago, remember, uh, he went for 30 as my Hail Mary. So that was pretty damn sexy as much as we made fun of him there. Um, he really came through. McKinnon was my. I hate that you have McKinnon in any sort of positive thing. Keep in mind, folks, this was a couple weeks ago. Yes. So don't, don't you know, mortgage the farm because of this 
correct prediction by the Wolf. He was the running back seven, and it was on Thursday Night Football. I remember it. I was like, all right, I got that okay, one right. Uh, we were wrong about Tasty Hasty that week, though. Melvin Gordon was a huge win. I was lower on him. He was the running back 54, did nothing. Uh, Gus Edwards was my running back, uh, my Hail Mary. Finishes the running back 27. Definitely a Hail Mary win there. So 3-0 and at running back, 2-1 and at quarterback, 1-1-1 one, one and one at wide receiver. I had A.B. higher. He did not smash in his debut as I expected. D.J. Moore was my lower. He was the wide receiver 82. That one panned out pretty well. And then Darnell Mooney's a, a tie there. I had as my Hail Mary. He was uh, at 10 points, like, okay. Uh, finished, like, in your top 50-ish receivers. So it wasn't like a bust of a Hail Mary. When you go Hail Mary, you have to have a little bit of leeway. But I, I didn't want to call it a win either. So that was a tie. And then at tight end, John, who was a tie, he finished as a, a top uh, nine tight end. I said he was going to be the tight end seven. So I didn't want to give myself a win, but it was also pretty close. Andrews, I said, was the lower tight end. Uh, he finishes the tight end 28. Right about that. Big win, yes. And uh, my Hail Mary that week, if anybody remembers. Was oh, I remember. <laughs> I remember. Jordan fucking Reed got me a nice one catch for three yards. So fuck him. Fuck his fucking pathetic body that breaks every time he gets cracked. I just, I, I don't, I, I've already had the Jordan Reed rant. I don't need it right now. Nobody needs the Jordan so, Reed rant right now. All right. So real quick, before we get into our higher, lower Hail Marys for this week, I just want to ask you real quick, what's your standing right now in the fi- fantasy competition? You were fourth a week ago. How did this week or this past week affect your standings? Because I end up, I'm still at uh, the top five, but I'm number five now. Okay. I've fallen out of four. Um, a, a dude uh, from the Action Network, Sean uh, Cromer, who's unbelievable, just had a ridiculous week where he was like the number one or number two in week 11. So it wasn't necessarily that I did horrible. I think I finished 44th for week 11. So a decent week, nothing special. I actually really helped my receiver ranking. I got seventh in receivers for uh, week 10. So there's still a top five guy though. Good for you. Still top five for, for sure. Number six in running backs has been my specialty top 20 for quarterbacks, but that, that wide receiver help was big. I was number seven in week 11 and that jumped me up to like the top 40 in wide receivers. So I got to just keep churning at wide receivers and I, I hopefully can get back to number four, three, two. Hopefully I can keep climbing, but definitely want to defend the turf and get these right for you today. Wolfpack. All right, let's get into quarterbacks. Uh, when we talk about our higher, lower Hail Marys, the guy we referred to earlier, Jameis Winston going up against the Falcons. The Wolves got him in as his QB 10. That's five spots higher than the experts. As I said, I picked him up. I'm starting him over Ryan Tannehill. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to have him. I got him for nothing. He was sitting right there. I don't think you really need to sell us on this, but I want you to sell us on him anyway. It's one of those things where it's going to either be beautiful and it, honestly, 10 is going to be way too low. You could finish right. top three. Or it's going to go down, as Taylor Swift has always said, down in flames, baby. He's going to be four or like 30. It could, exactly. There's, there's really no middle <laughs> There's no 10. He's not going to be 10. Let's be well, real. We're getting with Jameis Winston. But I, this is me saying I think it's going to be towards the higher side of it. The most compelling case for that is the Falcons. Number one in terms of points allowed to quarterbacks, and it hasn't really been that close. And Jameis Winston historically has been very good against the Falcons, and they were better Falcons defenses than what he's seeing. His career averages against them, 66% completion rate, which is fantastic for him, 8.7 yards per attempt, 25 uh, yard, twenty-five TDs to nine interceptions, which is crazy considering he was in the 30-30 club last year. Uh, this is one team he's actually protected the ball quite well with, and a 109.1 passer rating. So he, he gets them at, at home. This is going to be the perfect spot for him to, to ease on into the lineup. He gets all his full weapons cabinet with Michael Thomas obviously being back now, Sanders, uh, Jared Cook. The only risk here is, is how involved is Taysom Hill going to be? I oh, don't yeah. You know, that, that's always a risk. And Sean Payton's deciding to play it coy and be like, yeah, I'm not going to name my starter uh, until Sunday. Thanks, Sean. Like, we, it's fucking Jameis. Let's be real here. Uh, so ultimately, it's just such a great smash spot for this guy in terms of matchup. And we've obviously seen the gunslinging ability when he has big towers outside, which he, he's got some great weapons. He's got the ultimate play caller. I don't think we're going to see like Bruce Arians. You know, that's not the, a Sean Payton offense, but this guy does have a rope. The Sean Payton's smart enough to cater it to what he does well. And that's letting it fly, getting the weapons to, you know, the ball to his big, big weapons here. And I, I think Jameis is going to come right back into a, a top 10, potentially even top five day uh, matchup and talent wise. 
All right. So I hit you with this earlier. If Jameis Winston was a woman and you're trying to pick him up in a bar, what would he look like? Because you talked about how you're into him and that terrifies you. Try to translate that into it like a woman you're trying to pick up. Man, that's that. I should have given him some more thoughts as I was busy talking down the inter, the injuries. Uh, this is a tough one because again, it's like top five. I mean, he's sexy, bottom, right? I mean, he's like he's a good looking lady. Exactly, and it's one of those things where it's like he's going to give you the best night of your life. Some nights, like you're going to be in love. They're going to stay and cuddle in it. And you're going to just ha- have a night, just the entire night, multiple times. It's going to be fantastic. And then there's going to be a morning or two where they're going to wake up, boot you in the balls, grab your wallet and just book it. Oops. And slash your tires on the way. Slash your tires on the way out. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to be pissed. But you're gonna be like, "Fuck, that's my fault for for even going there in the right. first place." Like, exactly, you, you knew you were getting into some trouble. You wanted to either have the best night of your life, or you, you knew you were ready for that worst morning. That's what Jameis Winston is. You know, you're getting right. yourself into some trouble, but it could also be the most beautiful experience of your life. And I think we're gonna get one of those those nights that you don't forget coming up on this. One summer. way or another, you're not gonna forget it. That's right. <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, quarterback lower. You didn't have really strong feelings on this one you went with Carson Wentz going against the Browns you got him as your QB 16 that's three spots below the experts so we don't have to spend a ton of time on this um but why'd you feel like he was getting a little overrated by the supposed experts yeah I just I the thing is, is he had a nice stretch right in the middle of the season where he was you know banging out 29 pointers it, lately, though, against Dallas and the Giants, not really that threatening of matchups. 11 points by week. Doesn't get it right. Goes for 9, 24, and 24. That's with all his weapons back. Like, he just looks like fucking shit. Let's be, let's call a spade a spade. I know what I saw. Like, that's, that's the, the truth line there. I, I, I we should, hey, can we make truth shirts that say, I know what I saw? I, I, saw, I saw what I saw. Like, right. he looks fucking terrible when you just watch the dude play. And it's not like Cleveland's this crazy matchup, but they bleed clock. Like, they, they control that game with their running game, and they don't give you a ton of chances to, uh, to rack up points because of that. And so he's going to have to be efficient. He's going to have to be accurate. He's going to have to do his damage. And he really hasn't been any of those three for any consistent stretch of 2020. I also think, you know, their, their line is, is so far and away from what it used to be. And now even more banged up. I think that's what the big catalyst of these last couple of games has been is a banged up line. Dallas was getting to him and they have a horrible pass rush. The giants were all over him. Cleveland has miles Garrett, maybe the best pass rusher in the league. So he's going to be under duress. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in terms of his numbers when he's under pressure. I think he's going to be under pressure all day. uh, And I think he's not going to have too many chances because Cleveland's just going to control the clock all day against him. So I think quarterback 16, uh, the fact that they have him in their top 12 is like a quarterback one. Doesn't make much sense to me. I'm not into Carson Wentz this week. Me either. All right. So when we go to a Hail Mary, obviously a guy that everyone's pulling for. I know it's cliche at this point and it's been overused, but it's true. Alex Smith going against the Bengals. Uh, You got him as your QB 21, I believe. The Bengals obviously not known for their lockdown defense. He threw 55 passes last week, which I and 390 yards, which I know is a career high, at least the 390. I assume the pass attempts are too. If you're going to take a long shot on somebody, he seems like a reasonable guy to take one with. Absolutely. Against a defense, nonetheless, that's allowing the fourth most points to quarterbacks. If you get 50 pass attempts plus, uh, it's going to ultimately be a monstrous performance. The fact that he didn't get the end zone once with those 55 is mildly concerning. But ultimately, you know, Gibson capped off some great drives. Smith looked comfortable. He looked good. The line held up decently well. It was against Detroit, so we won't, you know, go crazy. But this is also against Cincinnati, who's even worse in terms of points allowed to quarterbacks. I also think Burrow, he's due for a rebound. You know, they they had a shitty-ass game. Uh, Burrow plays some great ball. I think this could be one of those sneaky games that nobody thinks looks good for fantasy purposes. Washington, the Bengals, you know, gross teams that ends up being like, 30 to 30, like one of those shootout style games. And if that ends up being the case, again, Alex Smith, 55, like you said, whopping pass attempts by far the most last week. I mean, the most team, the Cowboys right now, on average pass attempts per game is at 40. So 15 above the average in terms of pass attempts. If we see that again against this Bengals defense, it's going to be crazy. And even if not, even if he comes crashing down, and when we say crashing down, his only other start, he threw it 32 times. That's still, you know, above league average in terms of throws per game. He just hasn't been finding the end zone. He only has one TD in these two starts. But if that happens, 
you know, 16 fantasy points without a touchdown. It's pretty good. You add two touchdowns to that. You're at 24. He's a top six quarterback for the week. Uh, And that totally can happen with the weapons he has. They're, they're, you know, McKissick's balling. Logan Thomas is a big body. And obviously McLaurin's an absolute monster. Sneaky, sneaky upside to Alex Smith with the matchup and the, uh, the volume that he's going to hopefully see. All right. Moving on to running backs. Salvin Ahmed. He was on our waiver wire you know, obviously the top of pretty much everybody's waiver wire last week after he got the nod for the Dolphins and did a really good job, you know, played, got the vast majority of the snaps, a lot of carries, scored. Uh, he's going against Denver, whose supposedly good running defense is not supposedly good. It's not. You no. Know, and so, right, it's just not going to happen. Seems like they're going to fold like a, you know, a shitty poker hand or whatever the hell. Whatever. Someone could probably come up with a better analogy than that, but that's all I got off the top of my head. You got him. Uh, as your RB20, that's five spots higher than the experts. I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised you don't have him higher. Yeah, I've considered it. It's a, a good running back week, though, when you look at it. Like, Damian Harris is my 18, okay. and he's facing yeah, Houston. He looks good, huh? Like, I, I love Harris. Oh, he's going to steamroll Houston. It, it's less about me not liking Salvin as it is. Th- there's just a lot of good options at running back this week. And right. him being one of them, I'm surprised the, the experts are down at 25 on this guy. Again, the running back 14 last week out of nowhere – 21 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown. But as you alluded to, Truth, it's more so about the the percentage that this guy had. 44 of 58 snaps at 75%. 84% of the team's backfield carries. Uh, the next closest guy, DeAndre Washington, had exactly two touches. So he is the clear guy. Brita is going to be back, which is like, okay, you know, how does this backfield shake out? But it's kind of been a one-man show all year. And that's you know, Chan Gailey when he had Fred Jackson, CJ Spiller, a little bit of the committee – but he still rode uh, Fred Jackson for a nice 16 to 20 touches a game. And that's the role that Ahmed's looking like. If, if Breida's going to be anything, it's going to be that spiller, the electricity role, which Breida, again, who, he's been hurt all this fucking time. So I don't expect that at all. And you you also said Denver Broncos, not so good, Rundy. Yeah, they were vaunted for a few weeks, but they also didn't face a whole lot of competition. We just saw two running backs go above 20 points against them. J- Josh Jacobs. And then also Devonte Booker had 20 fantasy points against this team. They were taking horrible angles. They were letting huge receiving chunk gains all day. And Solomon Ahmed, like nothing special, but can do everything decently He's well and, and reads the, the blocks decently on the way this, as we said, with Drew Locke, that, that huge uh, intro we talked about earlier. I think this defense is going to swallow this team, which is just going to lead to tons and tons of bleeded out time for Salvin Ahmed. So I'm a big fan of him this week. And you're right. Maybe I need to bump him up a little bit more. I think he, if you picked him up on waiver wires, get him right into the lineups. Did we mention CJ Spiller for the second week in a row? <laughs> just for you. Just for you, Truth. I think we might have. All right, exactly. Let's go to the guy you're lower on. And I support this, by the way. Ezekiel Elliott. How the mighty have fallen, huh? Running back 22 for the Wolf, eight spots below the experts. I mean, for the experts to have him 14th, that's still how the mighty has fallen. This is like a consensus top three guy anywhere. And, yep. you know, God, he's just been reduced to like, you know, dancing for nickels on the street corner while people toss change in like an old hat. What the <laughs> hell's going on? And it's not even a good dance, Nat. It's not no, even a good he's dance. He's side to side. You think he might have <laughs> had a little, I don't know. It's just sad to watch almost like that. He, he was once one of those street performers everyone crowded for and, and paid the, all the big bucks to see him. Now he's just the one that you're like, ah, oh, damn. Like, do I give him a pity quarter? Like, this is sad to, to see where you've come. It, you don't want to make eye contact with him. You no. just gotta, like shuffle by and look at the ground. Like you put him in your lineup and that's exactly what it feels like. It's like, oh no. And then you bench him. and It's the same thing. Like it's a gross spot to be in, but honestly, I think there's 21 and maybe even more running backs that I'd rather play than him this week. And there's a lot of reasons why. One, the health still isn't fully there. He said he was feeling stiffness in his hamstring still, despite the bye week. Not great. Nobody wants a stiff hamstring. Uh, But the other things are, one, the declining snap rate. The first five weeks when Dak was in, everything was going smooth. 88%, 93%, 98%, 77%, and 82% of the snaps. Last four. 61%, 66%, 78%, 65%. So clearly the the lowest four games of the the year, three of them being under 70% the only times this year. So it hasn't been great. And it's also led to a severe decline in fantasy points. A lot of that is because of the quarterback play, but it's not like Dalton's going to come in and 
resurrect him. His best game over that four-game stretch was with Dalton, so I'll give you that. But his best game was 12 fantasy points, and he was the PPR RB18. Since then, he's also been the RB39, RB35, and RB30. He hasn't hit double digits in three straight games. I think we're putting him at eight, at 14 because it's Zeke Elliott. We see the name, and it's like, yeah, it's I got to respect though. the guy. It's crazy, though. It's, it's crazy. He hasn't done a damn thing in four straight weeks, and nothing about his situation is better. In fact, he's feeling worse. His stiffness is still there. And Tony Pollard has, has looked pretty good. He's bursting pretty well. I could see a similar situation where the Cowboys are like, this isn't going anywhere. Let's see what we have in Pollard because we know what we have in Zeke for the future. And th- those snaps might even become a little bit closer. Definitely, definitely lower on Zeke Elliott this week. If, Car- if uh, Carlos Hyde's playing, would you start Carlos Hyde or Zeke? Carlos Hyde, definitely. Wow, like, that didn't even hesitate. Carlos Hyde and Salvin Ahmed, I have over like, – that's how crazy the times are. Is I'm playing a dude named Salvin Ahmed, J.D. McKissick. Like these creatures that nobody even knew who they were coming into the season are now being ranked ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. That tells you what fantasy football has become in 2020. Yeah, no kidding. All right, well, speaking of Carlos Hyde, he's your Hail Mary. You got him going against Arizona. He's 21% owned, 5% started, so – possibly available as Carson's status becomes uh, a little more up in the air, you know, those numbers may go up. So if you're going to snap him up, maybe now's the time to do it. Also LaMichael and I always uh, pronounce this wrong, but P Ryan 30% owned 7% started might want to take a chance with him uh, a little bit. Which one of these guys do you like more Hyde? Yeah. Hyde definitely. If he's the guy, it felt like almost like cheating because it seems so easy that, you know, the fact that he's, tw- like you said, 21% owned, 5% started. I think both of those numbers rise significantly if and when Carson's confirmed out tomorrow. Um, so that felt like cheating. I just wanted to point it out again. 17 points against Arizona in three quarters last time. Now he's probably going to get the full game. Uh, and, and running backs have scored a touchdown in every single game except one this year for Seattle. Hyde should be the lion's share of all that work, including the receiving work, because Travis Homer is looking doubtful for the game. I don't I don't worry about Alex Collins or DJ Dallas. I think this is going to be the Hyde show. And right. any, anybody getting 15 touches in the Seahawks offense is always, always worth it. So I thought that was kind of too easy. So I wanted to also toss out P. Ryan. Uh, he's nothing great, nothing special. He's had one decent game this year. But there was a, a sneaky report that emerged. And I want to throw out Hail Marys that, like, even if they don't pan out, could provide upside to just have on your bench regardless. And P. Ryan, the, the latest report is that he's going to be the team's featured back down the remainder of the Ooh. season. Uh, of ESPN, their beat writer, Rich Simmons. Wow. Yeah. Woo. Featured back, huh? Featured back for the Jets, baby. Wow. That's Sprint fantastic. on down. Sprint That's on great. down. Yeah, you're going to want to get a piece of that right now. Oh, yeah. The sexiest of ground. You want to get in on the ground floor when it comes to featured back on the New York Jets. That's for sure. (laughs) Exactly. But again, at the end of the day, how hideous that is, we can make light of it. We can laugh at it. Oh, I'm making light of it. Volume is volume. And especially at running back, there's nothing more like highly correlated than snaps and running back fantasy production, more so than any other position, not even close. And if this dude's going to be on the field, if they're giving him this tryout run to see what they have, I don't necessarily trust Adam Gase to actually ever do something that smart. Uh, But ultimately, it's a good matchup for the guy this week. He could conceive a be their featured back and a featured back is a featured back is a featured back. So at only 7% started, I could see him helping out a lot more lineups and he's probably going to this week. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Speaking of not trusting Adam Gase to do something smart. I'm pretty sure, sure that in a couple weeks ago, hypothetical, you chose to let DK Metcalf beat the ever loving fuck out of you. Then have Adam Gase make life decisions for you for a year. Yep. So no, I also don't trust Adam Gase to do anything. Um, exactly. And on that note, we'll end running backs. So let's move on to wide receivers. Guy, you're higher on Manny Sanders, who I had early in the year, like really early in the year, and then I dropped because it was a hate cut. I admit it. Uh, he's going against the Falcons. He's the wide receiver 35, according to the Wolf. That's 11 spots higher than the experts. I'm going to say again, as I said earlier, I'm surprised that both you and the experts aren't a little higher on Manny, especially yeah, the experts. I mean, you're higher than them, but I'm surprised he's not a top 30 guy. I'd have to see the list. Exactly. The, the list is a little bit deeper than you'd expect, but still, I, the fact that he's at wide receiver 46 in the ECR kind of blows my That's mind. Not. He's matched up against Atlanta and honestly has been 
very productive all year. A lot of that did, yes, come with Michael Thomas off the field. But let's look at that. Wide receiver 29 with 16 points. Wide receiver 23 with 15. Wide receiver 9 with 24. Wide receiver 33 with 14. And he gets Atlanta. The easiest matchup for quarterbacks, the third easiest for wide receivers. So Michael Thomas coming back, like, yes, that will impact that. But he also has Emmanuel Sanders, the highest scoring receiver game, that wide receiver 33, 14-point performance I just alluded to. That's higher than anything Michael Thomas has put out since coming back. And I'm not sitting here suggesting that now Manny Sanders is suddenly their number one and I'd rather have him. No, but Michael Thomas is going to draw the number one coverage. And against Atlanta, not that that really matters, but you're just getting that much worse. And if gunslinging Jameis, if he's my high quarterback of the week and I think he's going to throw for you know 350 and two to three touchdowns, you better believe Manny Sanders is getting 60 to 70 of that with a score. Uh, I, I love Manny Sanders this week. I think he is as great of a wide receiver three, like solid floor and a blow up ceiling. Like if he ends up beating the guy over Mike Thomas this week, which is certainly within the realm of possibilities, the way Michael Thomas has played so far this year, I, I could see Manny Sanders lighting it up this week. Uh, I love him. I love J- him. Jameis is a gunslinger and you know, you're watching him across the bar. There's no question about it. He's an attention getter. <laughs> Very tempting. All right. Guys, you're lower on. We got a couple. We got Jarvis Landry and we got Devontae Parker. Landry, you got as your wide receiver 46. That's 10 below the experts. Neither one of you love him that much. Devontae Parker, you got him as your 33. That's five below the experts. So neither of these are guys that anyone is super, super high on, but you like them less than the experts. Yeah, because it's came down to me to like these guys might be part of sit start decisions. And I really That's don't true. think they're true. In lineups at all. That's why I put Landry on here. Is like uh, obviously my wide receiver forty six shouldn't be spent much time on, but at wide receiver thirty six, he's at least in people's minds as like a, a wide receiver three, and I don't buy that at all because he hasn't been close to that all season. He's been <laughs> listen to this. I, I know it gets annoying to hear me just keep saying like the wide receiver finish of every wide receiver thirty six, sixty seven, sixty three, twenty four. His best week of the year thirty. 50, 45, 45, 62. His best game has been wide receiver 24, and he's been a bot- below 36, in fact, below 45. In like he's getting stuff, he's getting attention from people based on reputation. And it's like, what reputation? When he was on the Dolphins like three years ago and he caught a bunch of short passes? It exactly. seems like that's what he's making a living on. I don't even get it. He's so far removed from being a real factor. I don't even understand why he's getting the reputation bump anymore. It, it doesn't deserve it at all. And and these, granted, these these matchups have been easy. Like it's not like he's faced this brutal murderer's robes of games, and now he's going to finally emerge. He's had six of his games have come against bottom ten teams, and he's been a bottom forty-five receiver in in almost all of them. Sixty-seven against Cincinnati, fourth worst against receivers. Sixty-two against Houston third worst against receivers like this guy has had opportunity after opportunity to get it done in these great rosy matchups no odell and he's still sucking complete dick so why would he ever be in a lineup why would he ever be top 36 and like a, a wide receiver 35 in the ecr makes legitimately no sense to me it honestly felt too easy that's the only reason i included Devontae parker because i was like hey, that's an easy w there's no way landry does jack shit um, I just want to make sure nobody that listens to this podcast ever is even considering starting Jarvis Landry. Parker more so might be in people's minds, but listen to this one. I mean, in the four games, he's got 21 games with Brian Fitzmagic over the last two years and four games without him. He averages almost 15 points per game with Ryan Fitz, which is, I think, the wide receiver 3-4 number territory. He's almost five points lower per game when Ryan Fitz isn't there. We've already seen with Tua – He's had a pathetic, pathetic uh, flow of targets under Tua so far. He had one game where he had seven targets, six catches, 64 yards. Other than that, he has one catch, three yards, and, and granted, it came for a touchdown, so he had seven points. So pathetic. what? That's still two catches, two catches for 31 yards. Five points and seven points in PPR leagues in two of his starts, and 12 is his grand, beautiful total. Hasn't been above wide receiver 39 since Tua took over. I mean, it's just he had his guy that was his gunslinger and lobbied up to his big body, and he just that's not to his game. Tua finds the open guy, he dinks, he he he's cautious, he's careful with the ball. He he'll take you know the he'll throw it out of bounds rather than hum it into traffic like Brian Fitzmagic does, 
and it's less fun to watch. It's better football for real life wise, but fantasy wise, it's hamstringing D, D, you know Devonte Parker and really any viable passing weapon in that game. So I, I think he's on the bench until we actually see him get it done with Tua, and I'm not convinced we really will. All right, hail Mary, Jalen Rieger, you got us all to pick him up. He does look okay. He's 25% owned, 7% started. The Eagles need something. Man, they're terrible. I feel like his biggest limitation might be Carson Wentz right now because I do see the talent. Uh, you also got Brashard Perriman on here who's 10% owned. You say he's a solid bet if he plays. So, I don't know. I, I know the case for Rieger. Maybe you can add a little something more to that. But talk to us about Perriman too. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Rieger. And – it's largely just a, a viable threat everywhere on the field. Can do it after the catch, can do it at the point of the attack. And we haven't seen him fully used to that ability. But man, is he an athletic freak, a specimen that has made highlight plays throughout camp. And, and we just haven't seen it fully explode. But I think against Cleveland, a team that's really been susceptible to the big play, that, you know, Denzel Ward's great, but he stays on his side. Like, you know, 90% of his snaps come at that um, left corner spot. And Rager moves all over the place. So, yeah, he'll, he'll see some Denzel Ward. But that's the thing with Rager is he's in the slot. He's a, he, he, they, they use him so creatively. He had seven targets, which isn't anything great, but the team high last week uh, ran a team high ninety-two uh, pass rate on 92.7% of the dropbacks. We're just seeing this game start to flow more and more and more. Uh, he has yet to be a top 30 receiver. So I, I get that this is kind of, you know, ugh, I, he hasn't even been better than 55 yards yet. But it all the usage trends are all going his way. We talk about expected fantasy points. They're, they're trending his way. And I think Cleveland's the, the one defense. And I know I'm low on Wentz. But if somebody's going to do anything, I could see it really being Jalen Rager. Even with all the weapons back, he was the team leading receiver last week uh, in terms of usage-wise. I think this could be the week he actually pops. Um, but he might be gone. He's 25% owned, only 7% started. If he's gone... I don't hate Brashad Perriman at all. Uh, last time out, if anybody missed that one on Monday, I know you didn't miss it because you had you the defense and you watched this guy slap him around on Monday Night Football. Brashad Perriman, he had 100 yards and two touchdowns for 27 fantasy points. Yeah, I know. Wide receiver six last time out. And Flacco starting again. They had a, a bond back in, in Baltimore. Nothing great because he – wasn't anything in Baltimore, uh, Rashad Perriman. But they had a chemistry. We saw that kind of carry over. And, again, a guy that we've seen play at alpha levels. The Chargers are a decent defense against wide receivers. So it's like a bottom seven or eight matchup. But as a defensive whole, they're, they're giving up like the third or fourth most to quarterbacks. So I don't really know like how that gap exists. And they're not like that bad at tight end. They can give up big plays. And, and I think Rashad Perriman – is due for some big plays, only 10% owned. So if Rager's not out there, if that one was too easy, I think Brashad Perriman, my wide receiver 48, that's 10 spots higher than the ECR right now, uh, makes a very viable Hail Mary punt that could come on big for you. All right, that's going to do it for wide receivers. Let's get into tight ends, and then we're going to hit that mailbag. Guy you're higher on, Hayden Hurst. We've talked about how just god-awful shitty tight ends are so if you can get anybody that elevates above the pack even a little bit that's certainly worth your time to listen to you got Hurst going against Atlanta as your tight end five that's four spots higher than the experts it's actually a significant difference uh fifth and ninth when you're talking about guys up uh, at this position why do you like Hurst more than they do yeah I really wanted to emphasize him because I get a lot of questions, John who or Hurst or this guy. I think Hurst is in a great spot. One, New Orleans is bottom seven against tight ends. They, they've been very generous to the position. But two, Hurst gets volume that very few tight ends see. Seven targets or more in three straight games, six, five, seven catches, 68, 54, 62 yards. Nothing amazing, but 16, 13, 10, and 13 for PPR points at the tight end position. All top 10 days. He hasn't been outside the top 10 in four straight weeks. That's a very, very nice floor. So I bake that into the ceiling that comes with facing New Orleans and what I expect to be a shootout-style game if I love Jameis as much as I do. If this game becomes a points bonanza, they're going to need to throw. Uh, factor in the fact that Calvin Ridley might be out if, if he's in maybe at less than 100%. I think Hayden Hurst could definitely see the path to 8 to 10 targets because Matty Ryan might have to chuck it 40 to 45 times. And in a soft matchup, uh, the fact that the, the, the Saints are allowing 5.3 receptions per game to tight ends, uh, I, I really think he could rack up another seven, eight catches, 
maybe find Pater and get you a, a nice 15 point day. Really big fan of Hayden Hurst. Uh, the floor, the ceiling's not crazy, but the floor is so stable at such an unstable position. And the ceiling is still, you know, 16 ish points. I, I like it a lot. All right. Well, this next one hurts me a little bit. Tight end lower. Dallas Goddard going against Cleveland. You got him as your tight end 12, five spots uh, below the experts. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I picked this guy up because you were so high on him a couple weeks back because he was coming off IR. There was all this talk. And I thought, well, my tight end situation is terrible, but I'm going to grab this guy. What a slick play this is going to be. This is going to probably be the difference maker in some of these games. Man, he's been terrible. Terrible. Like to the point where he got like seven PPR points last week, and I was like, ooh, not bad. <laughs> Seriously. Just like, yeah. yeah, the fact that he squeaked out seven last week was like a godsend because there was like at halftime, I think. It was going to be zero, I think, at halftime. I think he had zero points. And I was good. like, oh, my God. And then he got like three catches for 40 yards or something. I, I don't get what it is either because the narrative makes Is it that Wentz sucks or is it him? I think it's more Wentz. I, I, do I don't too. think he sucks because I, I you know how it is as a fantasy owner where you like laser in on your guy and you watch him and you're just like, every play I watch him, he's wide open. Now maybe that's owner bias because I'm just like, throw it to fucking my like, guy. Throw him the fucking ball. Throw him the fucking ball. Right. Uh, that, that's kind of what it comes down to. As I watch him every play and I see this dude looking great like he's, he's burning linebackers he's getting deep he's working the middle of the field and he's just not seeing the balls ultimately uh, you know all the narratives line up frank reich loves to pepper tight ends or not frank reich anymore doug peterson frank reich uh, you know all together that's part of their scheme that the offense they've all been raised on so you know no zach Ertz, all those targets are going to go to to dallas goddard right well dick rod fucking comes in and leads the team in receiving with four catches and 60 yards insanity and that's what's that's what this fucking well, the year fact that, that led the team in receiving should tell you something also exactly isn't that just disgusting um the browns you know give up a decent amount in terms of receptions per game 5.7 to tight ends i, I imagine we're gonna see some balls um uh, go to the tight end position but it, i just how can you trust this guy? I think everyone's ranking him. The fact that he's a top seven tight end this week is like everyone's ranking him on what we expected him to be, what all the narratives suggest he should be. But we just got to open our eyes and see him, Jarvis Landry and Zeke. Exactly. We just have to open our eyes and see that Dick Rod is their leading fucking receiver. And that's all you really fucking need to know at this point. I don't want anything to do with this offense other than maybe Jalen Reger going deep and blowing up. Remember when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Fuck you. <laughs> Hail Mary, Kyle Rudolph, six percent owned. Man, speaking of guys that used to be somebody and aren't anybody anymore, he's six percent owned. He's going against Dallas. Obviously, that's intriguing in itself. I mean, you got anything else to say except he's going against Dallas? And I mean, the Vikings looked okay in their last football game. That's about it. <laughs> Dallas is horrible. Vikings look decent. Uh, Irv Smith's going to be out. I wouldn't recommend. You know, Irv Smith should be out at least with that groin injury. If Irv Smith plays, then all bets are off because Irv Smith is the one. Uh, getting the red zone looks, getting the more uh, the pass game usage. But with him out last week, we did see four catches, 63 yards. I mean, 10 points. Uh, he did fumble it, so I guess he ended up at eight. He had, he had eight points, and he was the tight end 12 last week is what you need to know about the position. Uh, but in an even easier matchup against Dallas, uh, t- you know, 10 post points to the position. If Irv Smith's out, I bet you we see a pay dirt call from Kyle Rudolph. I see him yeah. up to 50, 60 yards. You're looking at 12 to 15 fantasy points from a guy that's 6% owned right now at a position that nobody can figure out. I think Kyle Rudolph, if Irv Smith's out, is going to be one of the best tight end plays you could have, uh, especially that's available on the waiver wire. If you're desperate, stash this guy and let's see if Irv Smith plays. Yeah, you remind me the way we're talking about the tight end position. I'm thinking now it's like you're like, oh, if he scores – 12, 15 points. That that's great for him. And it's like the bar has been is so low for tight ends now that you're looking for anything. I don't know. Do you ever watch Family Guy? Sometimes. Oh yeah. I used to. You ever there's an episode where Peter decides that he's converting the family to Judaism. And uh so Stewie goes to like a, an all Jewish preschool or something. And at one point they're in PE class and the ball rolls in front of him and Stewie like stares at it for a second and then he just kicks the ball and it goes like eight inches or something. And then the next scene is just this big statue of Stewie that like, like in gold that just says Stewie Griffin, greatest Jewish athlete ever <laughs> or something like that. It's like, I feel like that's where we're at with tight ends right now. It's like, oh, no, yeah. Dallas Goddard had seven points last week. <laughs> Hello. 
tight end three. Yeah. Well, I think that one home, you should. (laughs) Right. Oh, my God. Anyway, let's get into the mailbag. We've had a bunch of people waiting for an hour to get into this, and I know we got some of our loyal guys hanging around. I promise I'll have a hypothetical next week. My Wednesday schedule, uh, you know, for a a guy that is not have a regular nine to five job is actually extremely uh, busy. We, we got a good off so we can text link Clegg. And that I'm is the last to, I'm supposed to be chopping up all this fucking video. Yeah, like, we'll, we'll exactly. Do. If we're going to start doing that, that this late, you might, we might have to start ending these. We might just set a question limit at some point. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of our brand is like we answer everybody's questions. Exactly. I know. I don't want to set it, but uh, yeah. You think sorry. fucking Field Yates is going to stay on here for two hours and answer your questions? Never, never. And we got Craig. So Craig with the, uh, the blonde fro over here can get on the wall too. I love to hear it. Um, yeah. Wolfpack, you guys are the best. This is why we stay for two hours because interacting with you guys is a fucking blast. It's like it, you guys make our week. I wouldn't be doing it every week if I didn't love interacting with you guys every time. So thanks so much. If you're catching the podcast, Fancy Fullback Dive, we paved your path to 2020 titles. Thank you so much. Even if you're watching the live show, if you don't mind hitting a review for us, it means yeah. the world. It greatly, greatly helps on the podcast. We're trying to, as we, you guys did a great job helping us boost our YouTube numbers. That's awesome. We also want to boost the pod numbers. Uh, so Wolfpack, if you're willing to come out for that, that'd be so fucking appreciated. Uh, but either yeah, give way, us a, give us a subscribe. Even if you're listening to us or watching us live, uh, subscribe to the podcast. The downloads help us. We'd appreciate it. It's, it the, it's the same thing that you're seeing on video minus the mailbag, basically. Exactly. Um, and then everybody, everywhere else we're on your socials, Roto street journal, Facebook, Instagram, Roto ST journal, Twitter, Roto street wolf for me personally. Um, RotoStreetJournal.com is our home base though. And we have an app for all our content. Check out the app, check out the site, and we will feed and breed you all year long, you wolf. That's I'm the, the truth. Wolf. I'm the truth. <laughs> Later, guys. Thank you so much. See you. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Stole the